breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. One zero one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty in studio with Caddo Parish Sheriff Steve Prater and former Shreveport City Council member John Nicholson. Now I said a moment ago what this was. I didn't. I didn't shoot the gun early, did I? No, no pun intended. No, no, I mean, no, that was no, already no. out, right? Yes, it's been released. Um, Mr. Nicholson put this on his Facebook page. You are a candidate for sheriff of Caddo Parish. Good morning. Yes, I am. Okay, what motivated you? What what prompted you to run? You know, when I ran for city council in 2018, I told voters that crime would be my top priority. Uh, and I made it my top priority. I did everything I could as a council member, as a public safety committee member, as the audit and finance chair, to make sure that our police officers and firefighters had everything that they needed to do their job for the city. Uh, I'm running because Sheriff Prater reached out to me a couple of weeks ago and asked me to consider running. Uh, and after talking to my wife and praying about it, we decided that it was the right thing for the parish. Now, I want to I want to bring up what what I know your opponents are going to bring up. Uh, the fact that uh, you were city council, but you've had no law enforcement experience. So how do you address that concern? Well, look, I'd first say that uh, as a council member, I spent years working with two and police sheriff, chiefs. And, I want you to address that also because we talked about that. Okay. Go ahead, John. I'm sorry. I spent years working with two police chiefs, uh, managing, uh, assisting with the management of the police department, uh, working to get the police what they needed in terms of uh, both equipment and salary. And I'll tell you something I've learned over the course of talking with Sheriff Prater uh, for the past couple of weeks. There are many sheriffs around the state who started their law enforcement careers when they were elected sheriff uh, and, and were not police officers or sheriff's deputies. For example, Don Hathaway was in the insurance and banking business and then was uh, a public service commissioner a public works commission, rather, before he got elected sheriff, before Sheriff Prater. And you're not unfamiliar with the law. I am not. Being a, an attorney. I've been a lawyer for almost 20 years. Uh, I have uh, decades of experience with the criminal justice system. But are you a criminal attorney? Most of my work has been civil. Uh, and so that is not how I've made my living principally. But I have enjoyed serving on a federal panel called the Criminal Justice Act, where federal judges will appoint lawyers to a couple of cases a year uh, to do um, uh, as a service to the court and to the public. Uh, and that has really given me uh, what I think is a unique perspective and insight on how things work around here. Sheriff Prater, why did you approach Nicholson? Why was he one of the guys? Because you'd talked with Mike, right. I believe, before about Craig Smith and right. some other people. Why did you approach Mr. Nicholson? Well, I'd talked to Mike, like you say, and Mike didn't want to do it. Uh, so, <laughs> I was no. a, a reserve officer in Bossier City for almost 15 years, but I didn't feel like... Uh, well, I followed, <laughs> on a serious note, I followed Sheriff Hathaway, as you know, and I've got a lot of friends throughout the state in large parishes that they are attorneys or other fields that they got to be, then they became the sheriff. The sheriff's job is, is kind of like the mayor's job. You're the CAO. Uh, over half of our deputies work at the jail. And I know that's law enforcement, but it's not your traditional. I've never worked at a jail, and all of a sudden I become the sheriff, and I'm over 
half of my people are doing something I've never done. And then there's a lot of them that are collecting taxes and serving papers and running probation departments and things that don't have anything to do with traditional law enforcement. Uh, with patrol. Say. With patrol and right. investigating crimes. Uh, our patrol force is, uh, I don't know, it's probably maybe 10% of Shreveport's uh, patrol force. I mean, it's just, it's, it's not, not much at all. And that's the one reason everybody comes up and says, why don't you come into the city and patrol and take over, do something about violent crime here? We simply don't have the numbers to do that. But back to the original point, there is so much that I do on a daily basis. Uh, Gary Parker is my chief civil deputy. He's an attorney and, and I talk to him hourly. And mm-hmm. so this, uh, when I thought about John, I thought about his, Fiscal conservative, what's the word? Conservatism, conservatism. Right. Mm-hmm. He's fiscal. He's he's like I say he'd be tough on crime and careful with your money. And I know he would continue that tradition. And I like the way that he wasn't scared. He wasn't scared to bow up to some terrible things and some some I don't know uh, uh, some situations under Perkins uh, that needed to be people needed to bring light. He wanted to bring some transparency to some of the things that were going there. He wasn't scared, didn't back off. Folks would say, Sheriff, that a good leader would train those under them to take over once they're gone. Why don't you have somebody on your staff that could step up and be a good sheriff? I have people that would be very good sheriffs. Uh, it's a very good law enforcement ends of sheriffs. Uh, I've got some people, uh, one of them that wanted to run, he lives in Bossier. Uh, you have to live in Cattle Parish for a year. One lives in Texas. Uh, mm-hmm. and so we had, uh, we have some good people that can do a lot of good things, but not necessarily that qualified mm-hmm. could do everything. Um, okay, I got a tough question for Nicholson when we get back. We're going to take a quick right. break. We're in the studio with the County Parish Sheriff Steve Prater, uh, former Shreveport City Councilman John Nicholson, with Mike and McCarty. We'll be back. One hundred one seven FM. One seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty in studio with Cattle Parish Sheriff Steve Prater, former Shreveport City Councilman John Nicholson, who has announced his candidacy for Cattle Parish Sheriff. Mr. Nicholson, you were my councilman uh, representing me. I think Mike, you as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, and you decided you were not going to run for re-election to the City Council. And in your announcement, you said you wanted to spend more time with your family. Um, you've had six months with the family. You tired of them now? I'm glad you told me there was a hard question coming. Uh, and since Emily's listening, no, I am not. Are you sick of uh, your family? Uh, absolutely not. Uh, look, city council uh, was an experience that I enjoyed for the four years that I did it. As the sheriff just mentioned, I really poured everything I had into that. And uh, when I needed to uh, push back on problems, I did. And you and I have had conversations about some of those problems over the years. Uh Sheriff is a job that I can do full-time. As a council member, I was practicing law and being a council member more or less full-time for a number of years. Uh, As sheriff, I I will not continue to practice law uh, in the way that I have, uh, and so I'm going to be able to devote my full effort and energy 
to the sheriff's office, uh, and then to Emily and the children. So, no so you'll resign your law practice, keep uh, I, your license active. I I'm will sure. maintain my license, but I will not continue the law practice that I have now. Okay. How do you feel about guns? A, are you a gun owner? B, do we need any kind of uh, measures? A lot of people will say we need tougher gun laws in our country. You tried to pass a measure to um, punish those who left guns in their cars. Um, you have tried some of those I, those things. That, I bet, would differ from Sheriff Prater if you you two gotten a little uh, tete-a-tete about it. Um, how do you feel about guns? I support the Second Amendment. I'm a gun owner. I've been a hunter. Uh, I took my, my son a couple of years ago hunting for the first time, and uh, his comment after we killed the doe was uh, was that the blood smelled good and he wanted to do it again. Uh, <laughs> so, look, I, I am not in any way opposed to gun ownership. I support responsible gun ownership. The legislation you're talking about was a response to what uh, has been a continuous gun violence crisis in the city, and we were just grasping about for solutions. You'll remember that what I proposed was that people – shouldn't be allowed to leave guns in unlocked cars overnight. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, that was the proposition that was not successful. I don't disagree with that. A car is very easy to mm-hmm. get into. And, and I'm not, look, uh, as sheriff, I'm not going to be pushing any changes to gun laws. I am going to enforce existing gun laws, and I want to make sure that guns are not in the hands of criminals where they can hurt citizens. Another thing that the sheriff deals with, and we've talked about over and over and over again ad nauseum, is that he's got inmates in his jail that are sitting there waiting for for trial for three, four, some five years. What will you do as sheriff to address that? Well, the sheriff has done a good job over the years of explaining that the criminal justice system has multiple players, right? The sheriff has a role to play, the prosecutor, the judges. Uh, I will continue uh, his message, which is that everybody on the criminal justice team has got to work to move away from a system where we have people sit, in some cases, for years. Now, in fairness, that's not common. Uh, it's not common for an individual defendant to sit for years, but we we can do better collectively, and I mean everybody, uh, at making sure that when we bring defendants to court in Caterpillar's District Court, there is a purpose for their being there, and something happens to move their case forward. And, Aaron, I want to say over the course of this campaign, we're going to have hard conversations about the criminal justice system. We've got to have those conversations. When I offer constructive criticism of the way things are today and how we would like to see them change in the future, I'm not criticizing any individual elected official, okay? I'm not, critici- I'm not, I'm not going after anybody. But if we don't talk about the problems we have, we can't solve them. We know uh, Sheriff Prater initially was going to run. And right. In fact, you did run. Right. Uh, you had several fundraisers and did right. very well. Right. Uh, now correct. you announced, because of some health issues, you decided not to run uh, for re-election. Right. The health issue was not... It, it was and it wasn't. The health issue made me realize that at 71 years old, many people don't know exactly what my age is, I'm 71, that I'm not going to be here forever. And when I get through with this next term, had I chosen to run, I would be 77 years old. And I really don't want to, 
you know, fall walking up the stairs at, on the Taking airplane like some people. Can I throw something at him? <laughs> oh, well, I'll get in trouble. <laughs> no, I was, wasn't talking about you. I was talking about another elderly politician. Oh, falling up the stairs? Up going the into stairs, the plane? Down yeah. the stairs yeah. and everything else. Yeah. I don't want to do that. I'm well, in great they, health. I want to enjoy it. I want to stay active. And I've even volunteered to, uh, to, to work as a chief criminal deputy for John when he gets elected. But is but, your uh, money going to go to John? That's okay. Thank it, you. Are my supporters going to go? I'm not, mm-hmm. uh, um, I hope that they will because they believe, they believe in Steve Prater and they know one thing. They know that there's, well, they know two things. I care about Cattle Parish, and I care about the Cattle Parish Sheriff's Office. But what are you doing and to ensure that he gets the the dollars? I'm, I'm are you at, sending a letter out? Are you, are you going yeah, to send, send a letter out to those that supported me and ask them to to continue to support to John and to uh, for their vote and them, them to work at it because you need somebody like minded like Steve Prater and in all of the people that contacted me. And the ones that I thought about and my team thought about, John fit the bill. There are some, some really great people that, that maybe are qualified to do this, but there was only one that I came up with that could actually thought the exact same way I did and reached out and I reached out and we came to a consensus that this is the way to go. He's, so he's, he's tough on crime. You're in the studio with him this morning. Obviously you are supporting him and endorsing him as I'm supporting him and endorsing him. He is the only candidate that isn't calling for, as far as I know, calling for wholesale change. And I've heard of no other, nobody else has has announced except for the two people that are running against. And so, uh, I don't know. Yes, I am supporting him and endorsing. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty. By the way, uh, coming up in the eight o'clock hour, Senator John Kennedy takes your questions. So if you've got a question that you've always wanted to ask the senator, uh, be sure to shoot it to us on the uh, Jack Spring Electric. No, on the Shreveport Security Systems message board mm-hmm. and we'll uh, we'll see if we can make just pass that along to the senator yeah i'll put a thing on the facebook page too so if you want to put it there as well um how many zeros in a billion uh, what how many zeros in a billion i have i, I so, have, couldn't well, even begin to tell you there's nine in a million right or mm-hmm. wait six in a million right so it's six in a, in a million so, so nine, nine in a billion in a billion yeah, yeah, y'all. There, there was no Powerball winner last night. Oh man, goes up again, huh? Yeah, it's oh. a, it's, it's now a billion. Jeez, it's a billion dollars for tomorrow night. A, bi- a bill, billion with a B. Bi- billion with a B. It blows my mind. Nobody wins. I know. It's just out crazy. of the number of tickets, the number of combinations mm-hmm. that that are played. All of the tickets across the country. Yeah. And nobody gets those, what is it, six or seven numbers? Six, yeah. That's, that mm. just, that's, that's mind boggling to me. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's amazing. And it'll go well above. It's now, I think, the seventh largest jackpot of all time. And it'll climb as more people. Yes. Buy it's going to climb probably into the top five by, by tomorrow night. It's going to be huge. Um, it, the, the lump sum payout is 516 million. And somebody in the middle of 
Montana that bought one ticket will be will be the Don't winner. Don't say that. You know, <laughs> I'm going to cry tomorrow. I'm going to play this thing out here. Give me a ticket. I get I get upset if it's like you know a one person one ticket. They've never never played it right, before exactly. in my life. Well, and good for them. Time. I really don't believe in gambling, and I'm going to buy one ticket. Yeah. And you're going to win. I hope it's not a pool. You know, people that put in those pools at work, because that just causes trouble. If you're in a pool, I'm just telling you, if you're going to buy a ticket for tomorrow night's billion, if you're in a pool with anyone, note to self, take a picture of the ticket you're in a pool on. Because what that person will do is they'll go buy more than one ticket. The one ticket for the pool ticket, if they're holding the tickets... And you don't have a picture of it, and y'all's pool ticket wins, they're going to swap and go, oh, here's our pool ticket. That was a loser. And the winning ticket, I bought on my own. Well, that's a good friend, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, that would be Golly. terrible. That would be a shyster. That would be a you shyster. You can't split a billion know, dollars with, with, what, eight people? I know, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I would uh-huh. rather, truth be known, I would rather someone else go down there and claim it. And then just give me my portion where I don't have anybody coming at me, you know, knowing, oh, you were the winner. I saw your picture, blah, 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 I, or your corporation won it or whatever. I'd rather just kind of incognito send me the cash somehow. Well, so, and, and, and it's like I said, you know, I love your idea of you set up a, a foundation or whatever. Oh, absolutely. You know, without your name on it. And a high paid lawyer goes down there and collects it for me. Got any volunteers? <laughs> I saw hands go up everywhere. Oh, man. Yeah, I'll go get it for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, a lot but of people. Somebody, said, somebody wrote in on the message board saying, Louisiana, you cannot remain anonymous. Uh, well, I will be an... That's, that's bullsh nozzle. I'll have an LLC that I'll be claiming it somehow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We spoke with uh, Shreveport business owner, downtown business owner, Tim Huck, yesterday about the violence that took place over the weekend. Um, and he'll, uh, you'll hear that conversation. It's very interesting. Coming up next, Mike and McCarthy. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Shreveport business owner of Phoenix Nightclub, Tim Huck, joins us. Tim, thanks for taking time to talk with us this morning. Thanks for having me. Tim, you're a little bit upset. We had another uh, murder in downtown Shreveport right outside your club. Tell us where Phoenix is now. A lot of us remember Phoenix Underground, but this is a different location. Where are you and when and what happened? Uh, we're now on the corner of Commerce and Travis uh, in the old Bricktown building. Um, been open for a little over a year and a half now. Um, Friday night, as has been for months and and y'all heard me complaining consistently about the crowds on the street that are being entertained by music and just uh that's just blaring throughout downtown um that's that's just keeping people on the streets and keeping big crowds confrontation started on spring street with the same people who were standing around listening to this free music not inside or patronizing anybody's establishment uh, moved around from Spring Street, uh, over to Travis Street. Um, literally, they were walking in front of Phoenix, the uh, two different groups that got into it. Um, 
one gentleman comes running across the street at the group that was walking down the, the sidewalk. An uh, argument ensues. Um, one of the gentlemen pulls a gun. Someone tries to stop him. They end up shooting. The first guy shot probably eight rounds himself, nine rounds fast, kind of around in a circle, mm-hmm. just splattered at anyone who was even close. And then two gentlemen who were with the group that were uh, that that were walking pulled out uh, firearms and returned fire. And um, you have video of this? Is that how you know what happened? I, I, I've watched the video fifty times with the police department. Uh, I've watched the video from Sandbar, which I also own, uh, of all the people who are involved in this shooting, standing out, hanging out on Spring Street, walking up and down, dancing on Spring Street. I've watched all this video so many times. Uh, it's, uh, I don't want to watch the video again, but yes, I have video of all of this on the outsides of my building. You, you, These were you, not. You sent a statement out saying, and I'm quoting here: uh, "People are afraid to visit downtown Shreveport at late night hours for fear of getting caught blocked in a street where SPD and the sheriff have apparently abandoned all semblance of law and order." Uh, and that's a, that's that's pretty much exactly word for word my uh, my my statement. I uh, you pull through downtown Shreveport. First of all, there's a noise ordinance in place in in the city of Shreveport. I know this because I've received more than one ticket for it over the years. Um, it's a law that has been enforced for many many years, but because of political reasons uh, or fear, uh, the police department has chosen not to enforce the the laws that are in place currently. Tim, how uh, much well, how much is the fine? You say you received a ticket. What's the fine for the uh, violating the noise ordinance? Well, when we when I managed uh, Club Congress, the the fine was we lost our liquor license. Um, but um, okay, that seems to be pretty uh, substantial <laughs> fine. I mean, I would figure that that was a substantial fine, but uh, that's what happened at Club Congress for uh, for a noise uh, ordinance violation. They uh, they took the liquor license. Uh, today that was now that was back in 2002 2003 uh today uh i guess there is no fine because they don't do anything about it what's the answer However, to all this tim what is the ultimate answer well well we're going to start with uh whatever we're doing right now isn't working 11 people shot uh saturday 10 or 11 people that's more people than were shot in new york or detroit uh so uh, the start of the answer is to change what we're doing. But how about we start enforcing the ordinances and laws that are in the books? Normally, when you take care of the little things, big things kind of help take care of themselves. In downtown Shreveport, I've been down here for over 20 years, and we've never had the crowds of people that are just hanging out on the street, not going into a club, not patronizing anybody. But we've also never had the volume of music being played. Well, is there we've an ordinance had... prohibiting large numbers of people just gathering in the street? If you There's have a parade, a... you have to have a you have to have a, a permit allowing that... you know the parade and, and allocating for that number of people. That would be correct, but there's, there is no law against the parade is actually taking up the streets doing things. There is no law against people hanging out on public property in the street. As long as they're over 17 or 18 years old, they can walk the streets legally at night. That's not a problem, but they've never had those big groups just hang out downtown because they weren't being entertained. At this point now, they're grabbing entertainment. 
They've got, okay. they've got a DJ who's playing to them. That, that's one thing them. that at least one of the bar owners came before the city council a couple of weeks ago and said, you know, we should be allowed to do this because downtown is an entertainment district, and that's what we should do. You say what to that? I say that uh, we're not an entertainment district. First of all, the entertainment district is underneath the bridge, and by the way, it's pretty much dead. Uh, the... There is no such thing as an entertainment district that co- that meets at two U.S. highways, Highway 80 and Highway 1. Then they discuss the same bar owners say, well, Bill Street or Bourbon Street. Well, I'll tell you what you do. Walk down Bill Street and Bourbon Street. There's a police officer every 50 to 60 feet. We don't have the law enforcement for Bill Street or Bourbon Street at the present time. They also said this owner also told the council that you are the only one complaining about this and there's only one downtown club owner is the only one complaining about the noise is that bogus that is that is a lie i'm the only one who's willing to give my name and actually take the heat for being willing to state the problems that are going on i'm not the only person complaining i'm not the only person upset i'm the only person who's willing to put my face and name with the problem will more police officers solve this uh without turning down the music uh, we don't have enough police officers to solve it. The police officers, to more police officers to solve it would be if they're going to start doing proactive policing instead of reactive policing. If they're going to come down here and start enforcing the laws. We have food booths set up all over downtown Shreveport that have no permits, no license, pays no sales tax. When you don't take care of the little laws, big laws just seem to get broken also. The patios with the outdoor music then. The chief told us he's got a decibel meter. They've gone down there and tested it. Are they just not using it still, or are they starting to enforce it? Do you know? They they, they come in one night, said they were going to enforce it, uh, showed all of us where the music levels need to be and what they need to be to, and then left and have allowed it to continue to be violated ever since then. I've called... A dozen times I have multiple videos. I have an attorney working on filing a writ with the city now. Uh, I have uh, I have dozens of videos since the day that they got their equipment in that can plainly show the music levels. And uh, the police department have just opted that they're just not going to enforce. And there's, there's a lot of political behind it. Uh, Chalette Holden, who uh, owns Hayes, is working to bring Curtis Jackson 50 Cent in town, allegedly, uh, with a contractor, or at least it hasn't been signed, but she has some political pull because of that. Tabitha Taylor's Chalette's best friend. I mean, the uh, Zelda Tucker stood up there, the assistant city attorney, or city attorney at the time, stood up there at that city council meeting and said, they're breaking the law. And, and Tabitha Taylor asked her 15 different ways to try to find a way around it. And Zelda at no point would give her the answer that she was looking for. The very next day, they decided to postpone and not confirm Zelda as assistant city attorney. Mm. Wow. I mean, what's your next, what's your next step? Your, your legal action will, will compel uh, the city my, to my do legal what? Action, well, will compel the city to enforce the law that's in the book. They're, I mean, law enforcement has a job. It's actually in their title, law enforcement to enforce the laws. And it is actually a law that they're breaking and they don't understand when you allow any laws to be broken more laws get broken well when you're playing music loudly out just out onto the street you're promoting uh minor i mean minors can come down there there's no ids being checked on the street 
uh, they're possibly bringing their own liquor or having friends get liquor and bringing it back out. Um, so, you're, I mean, you're asking for trouble just letting people randomly party on the street. That's correct. And the problem is, is that they're trying to make it a race issue or a competitive issue. First of all, the majority of the customers that are on their rooftop at night won't even meet my dress code. So it's not a competitive issue. And guys, I don't care what color. I don't care what, what race. I don't care what religious belief. I don't care what sexuality you are. If you're in the middle of the street, blocking street, making people feel unsafe, making people feel like they don't want to go there, I don't want you around my businesses. And your business was damaged in this weekend incident. Tell us about that. Um, well, first of all, uh, they've had my uh, sign on every uh, news site uh, that it can say saying shooting at Phoenix. Well, first of all, the shooting was on Shreveport City property for people who had never been to Phoenix. So image image is irreparable damage. Uh, my building was actually shot, uh, fortunately. It's an old building that's uh, really thick uh, concrete, so it did not go through and do any damage basically they bounced off the brick mm-hmm. um i do have some damage on one of my signs or two of my signs that'll have to be replaced um but the bigger and this damage is gunshots is, these are gun this is this is gunshots the bigger damage is uh yeah we we had employees uh performing cpr we uh we have you know i mean we're we're standing there in in the middle of this we're yeah, we're trying to throw a party, provide entertainment. Now, how uh, many? How many? You said earlier a number. That, uh, we understand one dead in that incident and at least one wounded. You're saying more than uh, that? No, 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 no. There's four total people that were shot. Uh, one person was a ricochet off the ground, which is one of my actual employees. Oh. A ricochet off the ground and hit his foot. Um, no life threatening, no major damage. Uh, fortunately, thank God. Uh, not a major issue. Yeah, we're talking uh, with Tim Huck, owner of Phoenix Nightclub. Tim, do you play music? Do you have speakers outside, and are you playing music out onto the street? Well, well I tried to counter these crowds, and I put a big system on top of sandbar to play uh, rock music. And uh, within 10 minutes of me turning my music on, the police department came in and told me to turn it on, uh, quoting a noise ordinance, to turn it off, quoting mm-hmm. a noise ordinance. Uh, but the so music across actually, the street was still being played. Yes, but they actually learned the noise ordinance. However, I have them on video threatening me with legal action if my music is louder than such and such. So uh, mm. I've chose not to play mine anymore and just to uh, pursue legal actions other ways. Tim Huck, owner of Phoenix Nightclub. Thanks for your time, sir. Hey, thank you. Mm-hmm. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty <laughs> coming. I, I don't know. It's I think the Red Bull's kicking in. Yeah, State Rep Tanner McGee going to talk with us about the uh, the veto session right after the local news. One hundred one seven FM, seven.
1017 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Speaker Pro Tem, State Rep Tanner McGee joining us. Tanner, good morning. Thanks for talking with us this morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Veto override session kicking off today. Uh, the governor vetoed some 25 bills. A lot of attention has been on the LGBTQ issues that he, he vetoed. Is that what you expect the focus of the session to be? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, probably even more specifically, I think it's going to be on uh, Gaines Furman's uh, bill for medical care uh, for, tr- for trans ch- children. I never know what to call it, but that bill. Um I think that's going to be the focus of the session. Um, I think that's probably the priority. I think everything else is kind of just falling. To, not saying we won't override everything else, but that's, I think, where everybody's going to be try to focus their attention on first and, and get the result there. Explain so, that bill real quickly. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Yes. Right. So that bill says, you know, basically that we're not going to allow any uh, gender care as far as transitioning type of care um, until – until you reach the age, until you reach the age of 18, so it kind of even if the parent wants to have it or agrees to it, they still can't do it. Um, it would just be basically outlawed in Louisiana any sort of you know transitioning care. For well, the, but, the, but the governor says nobody has ever tried to get this kind of care. That this is a, this is a bill we don't need because this is just not an issue that's happening. Well, then if it's not an issue, then why not just pass the bill? I mean, I, I, that's the one thing that's confusing to me. It's, you know, if I say, you know, we're going to outlaw aliens, prices aliens don't exist, well, fine, let's outlaw them. I mean, to me, if it, then there's no real reason to veto the bill if it's not an issue that exists. But, you know, it could exist. I mean, you know, you, you had immediately after this bill passed um, doctors in Louisiana, I think probably in maybe even Shreveport, I can't remember exactly where, saying that they were going to be a place where uh, kids from Texas, Arkansas, and Mississippi could come to have transition care. So clearly, there's, and that person was putting that out on social media. There are doctors who do the surgeries. Um, it's quite possible that this could actually happen in Louisiana. Um, so to me, it's interesting that that's the reason. But um, just because something doesn't happen with frequency doesn't mean it can't happen. and It doesn't happen at all. Okay. Um, the other bill, one, Dodie Horton, everybody keeps referring to it as a don't say gay bill. She says that's not what it is, that teachers should be focusing on teaching our kids and not talking about those kinds of issues. Does that have a chance of being overridden as well? I think it's a lot um, less likely, to be honest with you. I'm not saying it won't happen. Uh, you know, it's hard. This is a much harder enterprise than anybody, I think, in the public uh, really understands. I and mean, we have to get, not only do you have to get the vote, and you got to get to two-thirds, uh, so the bill passed maybe with a majority, but not two-thirds. you got to get to two-thirds to override the governor's veto. And not only do you have to get the votes, you have to keep them in the chamber. You have to make sure they don't wander off. Um, and you have people, and, you know, it's not fake stuff, but they have real stuff. They plan vacations. They plan surgeries. They plan things after sessions, not thinking they'd be here for a veto override session. But then you're, you start down you know, two or three members before you even start doing things and then, you know, uh, one state senator said that he has, he's a lawyer. He has a trial starting on Wednesday. He can only be here today. So if we're going to override something, it has to be today because after today, he's not here. You have all these sort of issues. Just it's, it's like herding cats in the, you know, the everybody was talking about herding cats. Mm-hmm. It is truly like herding cats. So unless you have a strong, significant will on a bill, um, you know, which I, Gabe's bill absolutely has that strong will. 
it's really hard. So I, I, I'm not saying that it won't happen. It's just going to be a lot more difficult. State Rep. Tanner McGee. Yeah, but who thinks it's okay for a teacher to have a sexual conversation with a student? Well, it gets a little bit more complicated. I guess, you know, one of the things that um, I think Doty's bill, and I think Florida may have changed it, a lot of the stuff focused in on K-4. through Doty's bill went a little bit further and went all the way to you know, your senior year. Uh, people have concerns that, you know, if a – if a 17-year-old gay male walks, you know, into his teacher's office and says, "Hey, look, I think I might be gay," you know, what kind of situation did you put the teacher in? I mean, there's a little bit more, you know, I think nuance in the discussion. But yeah, I mean, I think the K through four stuff, I think it's a little bit more obvious. I, yeah, but the issue is, is that whether people think it's okay or not, is do you have kind of the the more the the, the public push to do it right now? Because you know, I think everybody also assumes. You know, next year is going to be a Republican governor who's going to sign these bills. And so people are like, why am I going to, you know, and when I say this to what other members say, then why am I going to waste my time on this kind of stuff? And, you know, when a year this stuff will pass easily and, and it won't really be a big deal. And I don't have to worry about, you know, the governor still, still pushing, you know, uh, his revenge on me overriding his veto mm-hmm. and I can keep my projects that I have. And I don't have to worry about them not getting on the bond agenda or the division administration. You know, slow playing and walking my stuff. There's a whole lot of issues that interplay with all this stuff right. that I think gets lost in the in a bigger conversation. Tanner McGee, the Speaker Pro Tem. Let me ask you there the kind of a technical question. Maybe it's in in the weeds for too many listeners, but but let me see. The governor used his uh, veto pen to line item veto some things from the budget. A lot of questions, technical questions about how you override a line item veto from a budget measure. Specifically, I'm referring to the $100 million reduction to the Department of Health, which he struck out that cut and put the money back in. Um, y'all have not done this before in an override session, and I'm curious about you can you can override a like a line item veto. How does that have to be done? Well, that's a very good question, actually, and something that we are still trying to somewhat figure out because – we also have the constitutional requirement that the budget has to, um, has, we can't, we can't, it has to be a balanced budget. We can't, you know, we cannot like Congress. We can't overspend, uh, even a dollar. So we have to make sure that our budget is, is completely balanced. So then what happens is if, for example, if we, um, on, or maybe like a $2 million project that he vetoed, well, right now the budget balances. If we undo his veto, then the budget is over $2 million. Uh-huh. How do we do that? Mm-hmm. I, and, these are these are honestly got questions that we don't really know the answer to. We we, we got all of our staff and lawyers uh, looking into all this stuff, but uh, you know I think the, I think there's a real likelihood that if we would touch that stuff, that the you know it'll end up in the court system and it'll it'll be decided in a year from now by a judge mm. and not by us. So I mean, that's the reality. It's it's really difficult to do the line items because you do have to have the balanced budget. I personally don't believe the governor has the authority to just restore, you know, money and write and do anything and put money back the way he wants to do it. I think, you know, the power of appropriation lies with the legislature, not with the governor's office. But that's something that the courts would have to litigate if we want to push it that far. I'm not sure that we all want to kick it to the court system for a year and have it balanced out. But these are issues that, you know, need to be addressed in some kind of fashion, at least eventually. It is pretty rare to override a gubernatorial veto. I think there have been three in the past. One, of course, we know last year was the um, congressional district maps, which you guys came back into session and overrode his veto of your your maps 
Now the courts have issued a ruling that maybe we'll have to go back and revisit. Um, but to have a governor overridden back-to-back years is pretty rare in Louisiana, but you think it's going to happen? Yeah, look, it's very rare. I mean, that's kind of one of the things I get frustrated with. I get these emails from constituents like, don't be scared of the governor. Uh, you know, you need to override and show. And, like, this is the, already the most overridden governor in the history of Louisiana. The only other governor to ever be overridden, I think, was Romer back in the 80s. So this is it's a very difficult thing to do. I mean, it, it really is. Uh, you know, the governor has a lot of power in Louisiana. has a lot of things he can do. You know, I tell you all the time, if you're going to go for the king, you better win. Mm-hmm. Um so, no, but I, I do think we'll be able to do it, um, and, I, and that's the other reason why I'm not sure we'll get to all the bills that want to be overridden. We probably, To me, I think the better strategy is to pick one or two, maybe three at the most, try and override those because it's much more difficult. You know, you had Democrats vote for some of these bills. They're not going to vote with you, or not enough of them are going to vote with you once that, you know, you're, you're talking about overriding the governor, and they all of a sudden, you know, We'll, we'll switch sides on the issue. So, I mean, it, it, it's just a difficult proposition. It really is. State Rep. Tanner McGee, Speaker Pro Tem. Tanner, how long do you think this session is going to take? When do you expect to be finished? I think it's the longest will be tomorrow. Wow. Uh, just because, you know, we, we will lose members. We will lose people. It'll be difficult if we can't get it done today. And that's, look, that's another difficulty. So, one of the things you have to do to get the bills over in today is suspend rules. So you got to get to two thirds on, on the rule suspension. And then what happens is members start playing games. Like you have some really far right people who want to, who want to override the governor on Gabe's bill, but then they're saying, well, look, I want my bill to be over in two and I'm not going to vote to suspend the rule unless you take up my bill first. Oh man. And so, you, so yeah, you, 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 you mean they're playing games. politics? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And you're just sitting there like so frustrated, like, oh, my God, guys, we're at the finish line. All we got to do is suspend the rules, pull this bill up, we have the votes at this moment in time. I can't promise you we'll have it tomorrow. When you know, So you get into these games that members play, and it gets super frustrating. But, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. So everything today requires a rule suspension to bring it up. We know we have the votes of Lisa Gay's bill today. Tomorrow's a new day. You never know what's going to happen. Mm. Somebody might get sick. Yeah. I mean, you know. So anyway, so it's to me, these members who like to play these kind of games right now, who are for the bill or who are for overriding the veto, but they only care about their own personal stuff really drives me nuts. Well, I'll be watching the clown car, see how many can pile in. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. And then see how many pile back out again. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Thank you, Tanner. No, thank you all for having me on. Mm -hmm. State Rep. Tanner McGee, Mike and One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty. I, I wanted to ask Tanner about the um, commutation of the death penalty mm-hmm. cases as well. We we just kind of ran out of time. Yeah, I don't know if that would actually be apropos to the veto session, though. No, that's a way. That's a not even a legislative issue. That's up to the governor now. He's got to it's, decide. Yeah. And I think the number has gone up to fifty six that have asked. Out of what fifty nine? Fifty seven. Yeah, oh, fifty seven. <laughs> yes. So there's one guy who's ready to die. <laughs> one guy says, "Come on, give me the drugs." Right. The rest of them are like, "Come on now, save me here while you're going out the door." And and <sighs> look, I'm telling you, he's going to do it. There's going to be some. He's going to. He's if he does it. It's going to show you 
He's done with politics. He's going to go off into the, you know, sunset and right. go do something else. Uh, go back and be a lawyer. But I wouldn't he, be surprised. I mean, no. it wouldn't surprise me at all. He's at, me being, you know, his lame duck session. He's shown his true colors. Right. Exactly. And, and you know, his his left leaning mm-hmm. proclivities. I know it, it's just going to be. One of those things, I, we'll watch and see what happens. I'm not sure, but he's got all the, he says he's going to let them go through the parole board process and see what they rule on the cases. But I got a text from a sheriff, uh, the sheriff in DeSoto Parish, who said mm-hmm. um, Christopher Sepulveda was asking for his to be commuted. He murdered a young child, his stepson. Um, and the, the, the DeSoto Parish folks were given 30 days to respond to the parole board's investigation. And so he's putting them on a fast track. It's like, move them fast, get it, get it done, go through your process so I can look at them. And, and he's got until like his last night, doesn't he? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and that's could, what he he'll could, do. And, right. That's he'll, what he'll, he'll do. He'll wait till the very end. Sit when, up and then, right. Sometime during that Christmas week when nobody's paying attention to anything he does. And right oh, before oh, the new oh, year. I'll be watching. He'll sign away at him. So. That's pretty typical. So, I, you know, I don't know. We've got a big hour coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Yes, we do. Uh, we've got Senator John Kennedy going to join us live. And he wants your questions. So if you've got a question for Senator Kennedy, uh, you can uh, shoot it to us on the uh, on the Shreveport Security Systems message board. Sorry about that. Had a little stroke. Uh, also, you've got it posted on Facebook as well. Yeah, the Keel on Facebook Keel, page. Yes. Just shoot us your question. And we're going to go through through them and, and see how many we can get to. 1017 FM. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike M. McCarty. I I have to ask you, do you really do you watch The Bachelor? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh Aaron, yeah, come on. I do. Yeah. I do. And I'm interested that in this, this new cat, Gary. He's they're doing the Golden Bachelor, and uh, he's a 71 year old dude. He's pretty good looking, but I'm wondering who the suitors will be. Will they be nice, voluptuous women of of, of a certain age, I'm so or will they be hotties in their 30s and 40s that are going after this 71 year old guy? Let me ask. That would be funny. Does he <laughs> does he have a lot of money? Uh, you know, he looks like he's okay. Yeah, there he you was go. married for forty-three years and tragically lost his wife to an illness, and now he's ready to find love again. On so. TV, mm, on TV, <laughs> yeah, because it's so real. I know having I, sex in the hot tub to determine who you want to <laughs> be with. It's going to be interesting how the seniors but do the sad it. Sad thing is, though, Aaron. You know, fourteen-year-old girls are watching this, thinking. This is how you develop a relationship. I know. It's, it is stupid. It is stupid. It, I, I vicariously watch it for enjoyment. It's, you know, it's a mind release and, you know, I don't know. It's kind of sad to be honest. I'm sorry. With you. I didn't mean to derail you. But I you. asked you guys a question and I kind of know the answer. Um, so are y'all going to go see Barbie on opening weekend? Oh, I've already got my ticket. It, 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 it comes out this weekend? Yeah, this weekend. Wow. That's y'all are there? I don't know. Not there. What you about? No, I don't know. Who in your family would go with you to see the yeah, Barbie? I don't even movie? think my wife wants to go see it. So well, yeah, probably not. No. no not yeah. What about Oppenheimer? Now they both go open. by yourself and go see the Barbie movie. <laughs> oh, I'll give you ten bucks. You throw in ten. <laughs> that won't even cover my ticket. Yeah, you're right. That won't you're cover right. a bucket of popcorn. 
<laughs> so what I about Oppenheimer? See, it's coming out this I went to see Little too. Mermaid a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. Yeah. Because that was the first movie my daughter latched uh, on to as a little two-year-old right. or whatever. The original animated. Mm-hmm. So when the live action came out. Had to go back. Oh, we had to go. And I sat there and cried like a like oh, a little girl wow. with my daughter watching The Little Mermaid. And when they started singing, I was just like, oh, yeah. man. Now, up against Barbie is Oppenheimer. Now, Oppenheimer, I'll, I might actually go see that in theaters. I might wait. But I I, I was obsessed with the whole atom bomb thing for a while like yes. in, my, in my teens and 20s. I want to see that. But that's one I could catch on Netflix. Right. That's not a what big What I'm intrigued by, the reason, the reason I bring those movies up is that... People are bought, more than 40,000 people have bought dual tickets to both. Right. Barbie and Oppenheimer. Like they're going to see a double feature. They're going to watch them back to back. Really? Now, I don't know which what one you pairing. watch first. Right. What a pairing. <laughs> Do you watch I would, the I would watch Happy Oppenheimer Barbie? first. Okay. And then, then you know, end with and Barbie. Then, yeah. Hold end on, with a high yeah. note. Yeah. I think you do that because I think I think, think Ryan if a, Reynolds is hilarious. Yeah, but I think if there's a chance you're going to walk out of a movie, it's Barbie. So watch Oppenheimer first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because Barbie's going to suck. Did I just say that? I'm sorry, Barbie. I love you. I love you, Ken. But Ken, you need some body parts. Sorry. But I would just say that out loud. Oh God. Okay, but but see, like, what are people expecting for Barbie? You know, is it a is it a satire? Is it like when they redid Starsky when they did the Starsky and Hutch movie? Mm-hmm. Okay, the television show is it it didn't age well. No, it you, didn't. If you watch it, I think it's on Amazon Prime. Yeah, and it's kind of hilarious. But my gosh, we wouldn't miss an episode. Oh, it was back so in the yes, 70s. We loved it, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And I I was expecting okay, let's do a serious take on an update. You yeah. know. And they didn't. They made it a spoof, and mm-hmm. it was, and I, which I didn't even watch. I it think was, all these guys are wooing Barbie. I think that's what this, the premise is, and I don't know. And I'm not going to go see it. I'm sorry. I did play with Barbie as a child, but no, the movie looks stupid. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> but I'll be at Oppenheimer. I'll be in one of them seats. I'll have a butt up in there watching it. Okay. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. Who's in Oppenheimer? Uh, some guy named Oppenheimer. Okay. Cleared that up. Yeah. Michael McCarty. Uh, Senator Kennedy joining us after uh, 8 o'clock news. And if you've got a question, shoot us a question on the Shreveport Security Systems message board or on the Keel Facebook page, and we just might pass that along to the senator. Michael McCarty. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty. I was just looking up real quick. I, I, we want to mention the the cameras, but Mm-mm. but I was looking up Oppenheimer and uh, boy, what a cast! It does have a good cast. You're right. Cillian Murphy, Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, it's gonna be a good movie. I'm yeah. Looking forward to it. Okay. Um, Operation. Uh, let's see what it's called. Operation Safe Neighborhoods in Shreveport is up and going and they are now taking starting yesterday they're taking applications for folks who want a um a camera on your home um now we did this once before right this was the parish this is now the city okay so it's a different pile of money which the parish has a much bigger pile of money than the city does so it's interesting to see that the city is now stepping forward to make these available to homeowners um in your neighborhood if you want a camera on your home 
a couple of requirements. You can't already have a camera. I mean, this can't be an additional camera. You have to have no cameras at the house. You have to agree to let your camera be accessible by the real-time crime center. Right. Now, that doesn't mean they're sitting in there and they can access your camera at any time. People get confused about that. What I'm told it means is that if there's an incident in your area, you now can, you now will have to give them access to the video. You know, like if there's a burglary in your area and they say, hey, your camera might have gotten a view of that. Mm-hmm. Can we get that video? They'll be able to say, hey, we have a burglary in this area. Where are cameras near there? They can pinpoint your house and go, oh, we want to save that footage. Can you please save that footage? We'll come look at it and see if they, they have evidence. Um, have to have a copy of a driver's license or ID card, and you must reside, of course, in the city limits. And you can see all the details, keelnews.com or on the Keel app, but it's a program they're hoping more people in the high crime neighborhoods will reach out and say, hey, I'm, I'm willing to put this put so a are camera there, up. Yeah, are there uh, logistic requirements uh, you know, geographic requirements, uh, financial requirements. Don't have any anybody anybody that lives in the in city any neighborhood mm-hmm. can apply. Can apply, and okay. you will also get one year subscription to whatever it is. If it's Ring or Nest or whatever the the camera system is, you'll it comes with a um, one year subscription, and you can only get one camera per household. It's not like you're going to put a camera on every corner of your house. It'll be one camera. You know, preferably they're going to put it on your door, you know, near your front door, I would imagine. But uh, it's a – and I don't think the city's going to go out and install it. I think you're going to have to install it. But most of them now are pretty simple. They're pretty you easy to put in. just basically screw it into the door frame. Yeah. They're battery operated. Exactly. Most, most of them. And then you'll have the directions on how you can log in and access the video. But the chief says he's very encouraged by the citizens to, to embrace the technology and they want to get that out. I have asked the mayor to join us at some point to talk about the funding for this, how much money they're planning to spend. Uh, I'm sure they have some grant money through the Operation Safe Neighborhoods program, which uh, comes from the feds, I believe, um, to get more cameras out because we need that in the neighborhoods, definitely. Senator John Kennedy joining us after the local news. If you've got a question for him, submit it on our Keel Facebook page or the Shreveport Security Systems message board. One One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty. What what I, I'm sitting here looking at some of my friends that just had it came back from a um, girls trip, and I'm going on a girls trip. I hope this fall, maybe in right. September, um, October. Uh, you can't go in September. He's gone in September. Yeah, we'll figure something out. I'll, we'll figure. We'll, we'll leave you for. Which but, I'm not looking but, forward to, Ruben. When's the last time you went on a trip with some of your buddies, like just guys? We we had a oh my gosh several several years ago, uh, me and two other guys went up to Hot Springs, Arkansas. One of my friends who was like head coach at airline at the time. Okay, I mean, these are these are dudes. Yeah, the other guy played baseball and and mm-hmm. then ended up playing like in the is it senior league when you're thirty and you still uh, want to play I, baseball I, I and know, you're, yeah. you know they're adults. So I mean these are boys, <laughs> and then there was me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, a friend of mine was going to go pick up a camper. Okay. And so we said, let's go just make a weekend out of it. Hot Springs. Okay. And we set up a a, a golf a, a golf afternoon. It's manly. 
and then uh and then we 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 did a, an afternoon at the at one of the bathhouses that was not so manly <laughs> it was it was interesting now we didn't all go in together i mean well we went in together but you don't go through the experience like together together right but y'all walk around in there naked don't you pretty no, much you are you wrapping a sheet around you that's it's right like you do sheet. have a sheet yeah you do you're right yeah. Well, why don't men do, like, we do girls trips all the time. I had, you know, we went glamping last year. I'm going to do a beach trip this year probably. Why don't y'all do, like, boys trips? Um, I, was really, I think that's kind of self-explanatory. I was really just thinking about it, and I was like, I, I surely have been on some kind of all-dudes type road trip. But no, no, it's always involved women. I've, I've been on, like, group trips. Yeah. But yeah, uh, the only dude's trips I go on now is when my band has an out-of-town gig. Ah, okay. That's, that's it. And you <laughs> don't have like a female singer, so no, no, no. no girls. And and you know what? One of the wives is probably going to tag along, so yeah. it's probably it's not going to be all dudes. Well, I know there are some guys that do like uh, hunting trips together, sure, sure. and they go on deep sea I, fishing trips. Okay, that's not right. your that's not your cup of tea. I, don't I just do don't. I don't really hunt or fish. Yeah. I'm uh, not opposed to it. I mean, I I, I enjoy going you know i just i just i don't have time it seems like well snag up some of your boys and go take a beach trip it'd be fun y'all would have fun he's looking at me like i've lost (laughs) my mind (laughs) yes you know toes in the sand and drinking beer and cursing and all that Smoking cigars. There you go. Yeah. It's not on the beach. Uh, stop do stop describing your vacation, Eric. <laughs> okay. Now, I did go one weekend. My uh, my best friend and I went to New Orleans to catch a Saints game. Okay. Great weekend. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We had a great Felix. I love Felix's down. Oh, okay. Love Felix's. Well, that's kind of a semi-boys It was the Saints-Cowboys. Okay. And it was a Sunday night game. Drew Brees. Oh, it was just awesome. I think men would be healthier if you did more boys trips. Sure. really do. I remember a comedian one time talking about men and women have to have time apart. Mm-hmm. You got to have women have to have girls. He says men oh, yeah. have to have time apart. He goes, that's the only logic yep. I can come up with for duck hunting. <laughs> <laughs> Three o'clock in the morning, you're standing in waist deep freezing water going, well, at least she ain't here. <laughs> And, you know, after that, next you could be playing Bunko with your boys. No, that ain't happening. (laughs) Senator Kennedy joining us after the news. 101.7. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty, and on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, Senator John Kennedy. Senator, good morning. Thanks for. Uh, we're looking forward to this session with you today. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Aaron. Good morning, me too. We got uh, we've got a lot of questions. Uh, we've uh, been soliciting from our our listeners, and uh, let me start with uh, one that Joey asks in the Shreveport, why do most politicians refuse to really debate or discuss issues and solutions instead of just talking in platitudes and sound bites like tax reform, etc.? Well, boy, I, you know, that's an interesting question. Uh, I love to debate. Uh, on the Senate floor, I debate issues all the time with my uh with my democratic colleagues and in some cases republican colleagues 
I love coming on talk radio and having people call in and say, you're right about this, you're wrong about this, and here's why. So, you know, I, I enjoy it. Now, I don't speak for anybody else but me, and I don't avoid it. It's just that I I can't really call up NBC News and say, hey, guys, I want to come on. Give me 10 minutes tonight. I want to come on and debate Bernie Sanders about uh, about the future of Israel, you know, because they're not likely to give me the time. I wish they would, but they won't. What's their loss? Yeah. Senator, I got a, I got a version of this question from several teachers, and I'll just read this one that was pretty well done. Could you please okay. do something to reduce or end the Social Security offset? I worked for 20 years and paid into Social Security, and I made a career change and became a teacher. Since I get teacher retirement pay, my Social Security monthly payments have been offset or reduced to almost nothing. Uh, I'm very well aware of the problem. The short answer is yes, we're trying. It's called the windfall Um elimination provision and the government pension offset provision. Here's how it works. I suppose you work for the government. In this case, you were a teacher. You worked for your local government, and you and you were a member of the retirement system. You weren't given anything. You had to pay money into it, and, and the local government matched it. But you also spent some time throughout your career in the private sector, so you paid in Social Security. There's this rule that says when you retire and start getting your pension for being a teacher, you don't get the full amount of your Social Security that you put in. And it, it's not logical, and it's certainly not fair. Uh, we're trying to change it. It would have an impact financially. Um, Social Security, the numbers right now in Social Security don't work after, I think, 2033, we're going to run into cash flow problems. Uh, what I suspect, I'm surprised it's I, that I long. Well, I, I don't. Well, they're they're they keep putting band aids on it. Well, so people aren't going to lose their social security. I, I don't want anybody to be scared. And when I say this, but there's no question we're going to have to do something. Um, because the money, the cash flow is just not there. People are getting older and there are not enough young people to pay into the system to cash flow it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. As the population ages, absolutely. Uh, Kevin says, I wrote Senator Kennedy protesting the way that the January 6th protesters were being treated by the Justice Department. Whoever responded to me said they were proud of what was being done to the January 6th protesters. Is that the way Senator Kennedy really feels? Let me be very clear about what happened on January 6th. It was an abomination. Let me say it again. It was an abomination. You have the right to peacefully protest in America. You do not have the right to riot. And people broke into the Capitol. I was there. I saw it. It was illegal. Did everybody who participated in the, in the rally break the law? Of course not. They didn't do anything wrong. You got the right to come down to the Capitol and protest. But 
you don't have the right to break in and trash the place. And those who did that have been punished. Now, I can't, I can't follow, I mean, I can't uh, talk intelligently about every individual case and whether somebody was overpunished or somebody was underpunished. But um, that's the way I see it. Uh, and I'm not going to bubble wrap it. And I don't want to ever, ever, ever see it happen again. You can still have time to submit your questions for Senator Kennedy. He's joining us until 840 this morning. Here's from Charlie B. Uh, Senator Kennedy, when are all these government officials in Washington who are guilty of abuse of power at a minimum going to prison? Well, first, um, there has to be an impeachment proceeding. I mean, there doesn't have to be. The Justice Department could could bring an indictment. Uh, I don't. I don't know which politicians the uh, the caller is talking about, but there are two ways to do it. One is to have the Justice Department or a local prosecutor bring an indictment. Impeachment will probably do the trick. You can't impeach somebody unless they've committed a high crime or misdemeanor. Uh, I'm not going to vote to impeach somebody just because I don't like their position on an issue, even if I hate their position on an issue. This is America, and you have the right to have that point of view. Of course, I have the right to have mine. Um, I don't know what else to say. Um, If somebody breaks the law, they should be prosecuted, but I'm not naive. I understand that our Justice Department, um, you know, not just this Justice Department, but every Justice Department, picks and chooses sometimes that's okay sometimes it's unfair uh another question uh thank you senator we're talking with senator john kennedy uh why do you feel desantis or does why does he feel desantis is not doing better in the polls well number one it's early it's it's really 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 early and here's my prediction prediction about the president presidential race the experts will be wrong they always are you know all these talking heads that who've never run a campaign in their natural lives think they can predict the future i can't predict the future i gotta wait on it like everybody else so that's point one uh point two people vote for president i believe the american people not just on the issues but they also vote on the, the person. The person they elect president is going to be in their living rooms at least for four years. And they won't feel like they know that person. They can trust that person. That person won't just tell them what they want to hear. That person um, has character. That person has self-awareness. That person is comfortable in that person's own skin. Um, I think Governor DeSantis has not yet done that. People are still trying to figure him out. While we're on I that subject, I'm, I'm sorry to ahead. interrupt you. While we're on no, that subject, ahead. Jeffrey I said the sa- same ahead. thing. He said uh, uh, along the same lines, if Trump is the nominee, Senator Kennedy, will he have your full support? Uh, I, I'm not going to say anything about the presidential election. I'm, I'm, I'm just not going to get involved right now. 
Um, I'm concentrating on the United States Senate elections in five or six states where we can have a chance to take back the United States Senate. Uh, I believe it's good that a lot of people are running. I wish more Democrats were running. Um, I think competition makes all of us better. Um, but I get asked every day in Washington, what are you going to do in the presidential race? And I tell them all the same thing. You know, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's early days yet. We're talking with Senator John Kennedy. We're going to take a real quick break. We'll be back with more of your questions. Mike and McCarty, 101.7 FM. 101.7 FM, 710 Keo, Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Uh, Senator John Kennedy very graciously has uh, agreed to answer your questions. And uh, we have received a lot of them. Senator, a lot of people are just aghast at the fact that somebody brings cocaine into one of the most secure buildings in the world and they ask could we open a full investigation into the cocaine issue i could care less who's on coke it was my issue with bringing an uncontrolled substance into one of the most secure facilities in the u.s what if that had been anthrax or another lethal substance um good question and good point about the anthrax. I mean, here, here's what I think. Um, doesn't mean I'm right. First, um, it's, I, I, I don't, I, I just don't believe that the FBI can't find out, uh, through, through sophisticated DNA analysis and, and otherwise, um, wh- whose coke it was, or at least who, who brought it in. Um, I think the White House would just like this issue to go away. Number two, there have been mixed reports about where they found the cocaine. Uh, the, the most credible report I've seen says they found it in the Situation Room. I've been in the Situation Room in the White House. Um, you can't just scroll in. Uh, there are cameras everywhere. There's a lot of security. Uh, point three, I think it was likely a staff member's cocaine. Um, that's just my opinion. I could be dead wrong. And number four, I thought the White House really handled it badly. And, and they made a bit, they, 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 they got all secretive and wanted to pretend it didn't happen. And they should have just looked the American people in the eye in front of God and country and told them the truth. You know, some chowderhead brought some cocaine into the White House. We don't know who it is. We're going to find out. We're going to prosecute. We're going to fire. And then we're going to tell you what happened. But if the White and House won't follow up, who who can follow up on an investigation at this point? Nobody can. Mm. I mean, this is under the jurisdiction of the FBI and the Justice Department. Oh, well, we know where Senator, that stands. This comes from Doug, because we're going to run out of time. I know that tax sure. reform starts in the House. But what are Senator Kennedy's specific ideas for tax reform? What are his thoughts on the Fair Tax Act? Not just the potential of it passing in the current climate. We know that's a long shot. But the ideas found in it. Well, point one, we don't run deficits on the federal budget because we uh, tax too on them. We run deficits because we spend too much. Point two, my short-term objective 
We passed the, t- the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act in 2017 when my party was in charge. It worked. By 2019, the average American family was making $4,000 more a year. We had some of the lowest unemployment levels in the history of the country. Many of those tax breaks are starting to expire in 24 and 25. My goal short term is to try to renew those tax breaks. It's not going to be easy because most of my Democratic colleagues um, want to raise taxes. In terms of a longer uh, tax reform plan, if the Republicans take back the United States Senate and if the Republicans hold the House of Representatives, I predict to you there will be a a tax reform package. The corollary of that is that if the Democrats, if the Democrats take uh, both houses, they will have a tax package too. But it's not going to be to reform the tax code. It's going to be to raise tax. Can you stick with us another couple of segments, right? Sure. All right, we, we got more. Got to take a quick break. We'll be back with Senator John Kennedy with Mike and McCarty. What a One hundred one seven FM, seven ten. Keo, Mike, and McCarty. Senator John Kennedy graciously uh, agreeing to answer your questions this morning. Uh, Senator, there was a lot of discussion at the first of the year about you possibly getting into the Louisiana governor's race. You decided not to. Uh, one of the questions is uh, why haven't you considered running for governor, or better yet, president? Well, I did consider running for governor. Uh, considered it a lot. And um, it came down, it didn't come down to poll numbers. I polled it pretty carefully. This was back in January. Mm-hmm. And uh, the poll was pretty favorable. I just had to decide what, where, where, how I wanted to spend my time and try to help my state. Follow up to that it. is uh, how how involved will you be in the governor's race from BL? I don't know yet. I don't know yet. I'm looking at the candidates like uh, like everybody else. Um, I've, I've got um, I, I've got uh, I don't know, 10 or 12 million dollars left over in my campaign war chest. I may use it. I may not. Um I love my state, and I want what is best for her. From Barbara, Senator Kennedy, how do we restore faith in the FBI? In my opinion, Chris Wright, the director of the FBI, is going to have to come in front of Congress or in front of the American people or both and answer all questions, no holes barred specifically, and provide proof. Number two, uh, all the documents that Congress is requesting, he needs to turn them over. If he's got to protect a confidential source, he can he can black out the person's name. Number three, uh, uh, I know Chris Ray pretty well. He keeps saying, you know, the thirty eight thousand or however many men and women of the FBI and rank and file are good people. He's right about that. They're not the problem. The problem seems to be at the top. 
And the problem seems to be that some people at the top are playing politics when they ought to be playing it fair and square. Well, it seems like they're a puppet for the current administration. I'm sorry? It seems like they're a puppet for the current administration and they're being weaponized. Well, that's certainly an appearance, and in the and the appearance in in life is 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 as important sometimes as the reality. And and only Chris Ray and and uh, Attorney General Garland can answer these questions. But they're they're not answering them. They're not. They're 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 running from them like they're being chased by a hound from hell. And the American people deserve answers. That's my opinion. That's what I do. BL asks, what are your thoughts about the redistricting battles that are going on in Louisiana? Um, I, I'm about halfway through the, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court case with respect to Alabama. I think, but I think I have a feel for what the court was saying or not saying, as the case may be. I, I think the Louisiana legislature is going to have to come back in and uh, and take a second stab at redrawing the districts um, and then see if they can reach a consensus. What that consensus will be, I don't know. I don't want to see the federal court end up drawing a district. Mm, yeah. Now, the federal district court in Baton Rouge, I can assure you that judge will do it in a, in a, in a, in a, um, a heartbeat. But I, I don't think that's a very democratic way of doing it. From Paul. And I think the legislature. But I guess I want to think. I think the the districts have got to be have got to be compact. You gotcha. know, you, you can't just gerrymander. Go Sir, we have so many questions for you. You're gonna to have to do this again now because we have. A, <laughs> I'll do it. One, one more. It. One more from Paul. This is a pretty good question. What's being done okay. at the federal level to ensure that the election process in each state is not being corrupted, mm. especially with these ballot harvesting schemes, mm. and that we actually have a fair election? Well, we learned a lot from the last presidential election. Um, here's the two rules that we need to implement. Some places have done it. Some haven't. Because most election rules are determined at the local level. If we do these two things, people will trust elections. Number one, we need to go back to having an election day. Not an election month. Thank you. If you want to vote early, that's fine. If your state will allow you. But all the ballots have to be counted by election month. Mm -hmm. And number two, you have to prove you are who you say you are in order to vote. If we do those two things, 99% of the people will say, okay, it's fair election. Oh, but that's racist. I think it's prudent. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. What do you feel about paper ballots? Look, if uh, under the Constitution, it's up to the legislature. If the legislature decides to have paper ballots, early voting, however they want to do it, it is their call. But if they ask me my opinion, um, if, if paper ballots are proven to be safer, I would do, I would do paper ballots. I would do both. Um, the, the point of all this is that after the election, the winners and the losers have to be able to say, okay, I'm happy or I'm sad, but it, but, but, but nobody cheated. Sean and Hannity. That's really hard to do. 
Sean Hannity pushes for, um, uh, of course, paper ballots, but he also says, you know, ballot harvesting is legal in some states. And the Democrats are all over it, but the Republicans are not on board. We need to get on board with the rules that are in place and take advantage of them like the Democrats do. Well, I, 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 don't, I agree with that. I don't like ballot harvesting. It is legal in some states. Ballot harvesting is when you're sent a, a mail ballot and, and political, political operatives can knock on your door and say, you know, can I pick up your ballot for you? Can I help you pick, figure it out, et cetera? I just don't like that. No, I don't either. But it is legal. Mm. And, and if it is legal, then, then uh, I think Republicans ought to do it. Now, I don't think anybody ought to. Uh, offer money for, or try to offer undue influence. I know it goes on. We all do. It's hard to prove. Um, but I don't like ballot harvesting. I mean, if it were up to me, I would just say, go to the polls on election day and vote. Thank you. Now, my, my people in Louisiana, our people, they seem to love early voting. So if that's what people want to do, I'm okay with that. Um, I'm not crazy about it, but majority rules Mm -hmm. but all the ballots have to be counted by election night no more election months all it does is get us in trouble senator we're up against the clock here i know you've got to go i've got a long list of people who want their passports i'm gonna give them your number and uh (laughs) i'll give them i've got i'll help them with their passports and get all kind of calls let's do this again please thank you all the listeners you bet. For, for calling in. Nobody called me an ignorant slut or anything. Well, well, we didn't read those to you, but no, 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 no nobody no, did. No, they didn't. They didn't. <laughs> did you just say that? <laughs> yeah, they did. I know they did, but that's okay. This is America. Senator John Kennedy, thanks for your time. Let's do it again. See you guys. Thank uh-huh. you, Senator. 1017 FM 710 Oh, they did call him a clown. I'm just seeing that. Oh, well. <laughs> well, there's some that are just going to be just gonna be negative. Yeah, yeah. You know, but kudos to Senator Kennedy for coming in. A lot of times, and I think you said this earlier, they'll go, okay, we're, you know, we're going to set up an interview. Mm, what, what are my topics? What are the topics? What yeah. are you going to ask? Here's some topics he'd like to cover. Right. And, and that's not uncommon, and, no. and it's understandable. You bet. They, they want to be, be ready. Prepared. Mm-hmm. He said, whatever you want. But, whatever but the listeners want to hear. To block out 30 minutes mm-hmm. for our listeners to ask their questions, that's, you know, come I, that's commendable. Anything goes. Yeah, he was ready to whatever topic we had for him. He was good to go. Um, and, yeah, we have a few people that are not happy with him. One says, uh, when a politician gets wishy-washy, he has become a politician. I don't know that he was wishy-washy. Some people are upset that he's not endorsing a candidate for governor. He's not coming out and getting involved yet. We thought he had endorsed Landry, but I don't guess he has. No, Landry endorsed him. Right. Uh, okay. in, in the in the race, but we'll see if it's going to be reciprocal. Not sure yet. They have had some ti- times when they got sideways a little bit. Um, there's a little bit of criticism about is he going to support Trump or not 
why is he not coming out if Trump is the the candidate? I guess you got to wait to see is he going to be the candidate. You know that's a big deal. So you don't know yet. I saw a thing last night of the Republican nominees or possible nominees. I mean Trump is like fifty three percent, way ahead of the pack. DeSantis is second at like twelve or something. Right, right. And and Senator Kennedy has worked, talked a lot about tax reform. We did get you know a lot of questions about the passport issue. We got a lot of talk about the inflation, but we had just had a conversation with him about inflation, mm-hmm. you know, a week or so ago. So we'll we'll get back to that when he does this again. He said he's agreed to come do it again and uh, take your questions. So straight to him from us, and uh, and he wasn't afraid to answer any of them. Yeah, that was that was that was really good. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. Absolutely. And, and if you missed it, we will we will be uh, playing some of that back uh, also later. Yes, absolutely. Um, thanks, thank you, Aaron. Thanks to Senator Kennedy for his answer, but uh, it, but his answer says much about the need for real reform, like the fair tax. Mm-hmm. What they did was, but they said it was temporary. Nothing was really done to change the corruption and complications of the income tax code. I don't see that changing, quite frankly, because I, it's yeah. beneficial <laughs> to keep it as confusing as possible. Right. I would just like a fair tax, a flat tax, something like that, to me, would be better for all of us. And we all know the rules and no, none of these loopholes for all the folks with piles of cash. And but- Steve Forbes was was uh, promoting flat tax. I mean, going back to the, what, the early 90s mm-hmm, yeah. when he was running. And I'm like, well, it makes sense. It does make sense. And but- it's not unfair. If, if you make $10,000, you'll pay 100 bucks. If you make a million dollars, you know, uh, well, we're running out of time. Mm-hmm. Micah McCarty, 710 Keel. I'm Jennifer Kashinka with your Money Now. Stocks opening mixed. The Dow Industrials up 138. The S&P 500 up two, but the NASDAQ is down 44. We increased our... One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty. I'm really pulling for you to win this Powerball. I know, I know really I, pulling for you to win. And I still am not certain about how many zeros are in a billion. We tried to figure that out. Did we figure it out, Ruben? <laughs> Was it nine? I've never written or typed a billion. I think it's nine. Yeah, yeah. there's six in a million. So, so nine, nine in zeros in a billion. Uh, they, there was no winner last night, and I have my ticket. It's out in the car. And so it, did you buy another one after I'm, last night's drawing? Well, no, I was in bed. I'll, I'll, but I'll get one on the way home today. Because okay. the drawing is that like right at 10 p.m. That one's no good anymore, right? Right. And that, that's, no, okay. that's all I do is I hand them that old one and I say, check this ticket and replay it. Okay. So they'll check it to see if it So you don't of, change the numbers or whatever? No, I've been playing the same numbers okay, for 25 what, years. What are your numbers? I'm what? not telling you that. Write this down. I'm not telling you that. And, you know, my problem is if there's a week I don't buy the ticket because it's not, if it's not over $100 million, I don't stress out about going and buying a ticket. So my ticket's probably won 100 times, just haven't played it because I play the same numbers over and over and over again. Wait, wait, wait. I wasn't listening. What do you mean your number, you, your ticket's won? Well, because you know if you play the same numbers over and over again, one day they'll hit. 
No, they but, won't. But I not necessarily. <laughs> but I play. But I don't play it every week. See, I don't because I only play it if it gets to a hundred million. So I'm sure when it was like thirty million, my numbers you have think already you won. Hit. You think you hit? My numbers probably already won. How many tickets were bought <laughs> last week? Last over the weekend yeah. when it's coming up on a billion dollars and nobody hit it. I know. I know. And see, you, if that, you're, that if you're, baffles me. If you are um, the odds that are against. Somebody, yeah. I mean, that's just mind-boggling. If you're Jeff Bezos, you can buy every combination of numbers for three hundred million. I think is the price. Is tag. that what it is? I think it's three hundred million. You can buy every combination of well, numbers. Well, then why wouldn't he do it? Why wouldn't he do it? Well, here's the problem. What if four people get it? Get the same number? Ah, uh, that's true. What yeah. if four? Then people he's got to split. Then that. you got to split it, and, <laughs> and then you you're spent out. Three hundred <laughs> million dollars, and you get a hundred million. So, yeah. but what? But the odds of, of multiple people? I mean, all it's of these happened. millions and millions of tickets that have been sold, and nobody got the six numbers. Give me Jeff's number. I'll call him and say, "Why aren't you buying every combination?" And the second part is somebody's got to fill out those forms for every combination of numbers. Well, there's no physical way to do that, is there? That would be a tr- a trick. That would he'd have to have a a whole room full of people. Well, they, steady they, you, doing you that for three weeks. Yeah. You couldn't even do it if he, there's he, how many yeah. combinations? I don't know. Millions and millions of combinations. Right. Yes. So there's no way anybody million, even yeah. could buy it. So you would have to sit in a room and do those little pencil marks for all those sheets. Oh, Lord. Every oh, possible. Lord. Yeah, like no they way. would say, Mike, you do one. You have number one and every combination that goes with one. Ruben, you have two and every other combination. That go- I mean, you, you would sit there for, for a week. I mean, why didn't somebody write a computer program to, to do fill that, them out? Yeah, and run that. them through a printer and fill them all out. Ah, it's a good idea. Not a bad idea. I'll get Jeff on the phone and tell him hop on it. <laughs> <sighs> Yo, I'm still pulling for you to win. Okay. And I, it's and coming one day. I, I mean, uh, yeah, somebody obviously will win at yep. some point. Right. Boy, I hope it's not anybody but close it's just, here. It's just, it's just interesting to me. The odds that wow. I know, I know. Mm. I'm more apt to be struck by lightning as I walk out the door on this clear day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Mike and McCarty make it a great Tuesday. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keo Moon.